I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a couple of vignettes that somehow go together. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. And this is episode 343, Cup of Coffee. So I am squeezing this one in because I've got a few hours. At this point, I have less than a few hours, less than a few before I need to be at the airport to pick up my mom. It's that time of year. And it may be crazy to try and get this in. It may be totally crazy. I knew that this morning when I decided I was going to do this and needed to pull my thoughts together and wanted to do this because I wanted to do this. I want to do this. And I know how the coming weeks will go. I do. I do. And as much as I want to be the person who can do certain things for and with you and inspire you in certain ways through this show and be way ahead of the game, way ahead of the curve. I do know how things go and I'm going to do what I can, but I already miss you all. I miss some of the things that feel routine and have a regularity and flow as part of the CMP. And some of those are things I'm not doing. I'm just not doing right now. In some ways, it's just a little bit of a break. And in some ways, it's just time of year. Overall, It's been a quiet December so far. From me, it has been a quiet December. I think that's true. I would love to sit and talk wish lists with all of you over coffee and pass around markers and pens to try. We can see how things really work. Evaluate this pen on that paper. Do water tests. Figure out whether we care if things are waterproof or not. We could feel different papers. We could look at our sketchbooks and planners so we could see the different kinds in person. An art supply white elephant might be the only way white elephant would ever work. A box of odds and ends from the art drawer or the art table or the bottom of your tote. Scavenge together this box of tools that you know someone else might love but that you bought and don't really use. And you walk away with another box of goodies to explore. I can totally see that working. I really can. I can totally see that working, especially if everyone went into it with the same spirit, not the I'm going to go and buy a bunch of stuff spirit. Instead, the I can find a bunch of things that would be so cool in this box spirit. There is a white elephant exchange happening next week. And this is an annual thing. And it never feels like it goes overly well. It never does. I feel like it's always slightly uncomfortable and even more so as the years have gone on. And while I don't know that those involved really see how it has gradually become something different, it really is no longer truly white elephant. Instead, people go and buy what they bring. And that's not 
really what it is about. And no one likes getting the things that truly are salvaged and wrapped as true white elephant gifts. And most people aren't great about hiding that response, right? And when a group is very small, this whole thing can be kind of uncomfortable. I have made my peace with it every year. I really have. But I am coming across very Scrooge-like this year because I think I might just be out this year. But I'd do a white elephant with all of you. I would. I would. And I want it to be that all of us really get along and could get along and it would be fun and comfortable. I really do. I have so many pens that I know I'll never use. But I am sure I'd like some of the things you don't want and that you'd take mine. Even round robin style. Everybody take theirs and pass it to the left and roll a dice and pass it that many times to the right and do it again and again and again. And then suddenly in this musical chairs sort of way, we stop and we have what we have. And if we really want to keep doing it, we can do it again. You have what you have. And then we go on with some other iteration, some variation of a way of shuffling around our goods and goodies, our tools and supplies so that they go on to someone else who will try them and maybe love them. It pains me to continue to unearth and box up and waffle about scrapbooking supplies. So many shiny ideas, hopes, dreams, and true, a very different sense of creative spirit years and years ago. And I am never going to do those things, I am sure. But sometimes I look at these things and think, well, maybe I can put them to a different use. I should hold on to these things because there's got to be some way that these are going to be exactly what I need in my next incarnation of myself, whatever it is I am going to be, whatever my creative self is going to look like five years from now, 10 years, I don't know. I need to just get rid of them. But I would really rather give them to some of you because some of you do things that could make really good use of these things. I know others can use these things and would value them, but I don't know those people. I don't know those people in real life. I don't know any people. So gear shift. We have to gear shift out of that because that could go a very different direction. But I have a few little things to share. Things that somehow I think go together to make a pastiche of right now in kind of funny ways and kind of CMP ways and kind of, wow, really, really kind of those ways. And if we took enough gloss medium and we layered it on, we brushed it and let it dry and brushed it some more, we could bind these together somehow into a story. That's right. I just saw and loved a composition book one of you covered. I just love the idea of those things. And I love what you can do when you really lock things in with gloss. The whole idea of decoupage. Again, vestiges of me from years ago. And that idea of layering these things together and then locking them in place under the shiny layer of clear coat. It's just right. It's just right as a metaphor for these assorted stories. These little vignettes. These random moments that I'm going to just lay here one after the other and just let them slowly meld. Position these things together and weave in beautiful lights everywhere, maybe. Maybe that's the binding thread. And then you shake really hard 
and you watch the snowfall, a snow globe shift from book cover to a snowy scene of daily life. Hmm. Snow globe. I like it. I like it. And no, these are not the kinds of things that would go in a snow globe. But there's real magic when you shake up a snow globe, right? And you let things fall and they drift. They take on such cozy, such cozy warmth and symbolism and magic and whimsy and memory. Yeah. One, I've mentioned how diligent that I have been in recent weeks with keeping up with my bullet journal and with various kinds of tracking, daily sentences, daily gratitude, those kinds of things. In November, I was on track. Everything was working really well. All the gears were clicking into place when I was using my traveler's notebook. And in that process, I think I even shifted from one to the other. I have one that is mine and one that someone else didn't want and gave me. And it has her initials on it. And I don't really care. I still use it and love it. But I think I shifted. I was using that one and I shifted to mine. And mine has the word story as the monogram on it. And every once in a while, I get tired of mine and wish I had something else. But then I I go back and I start using it and I just love using it. And when I was using it, things went really well. It's a big enough book that it's harder to misplace. You can see it. You can see it wherever it's sitting. But at the start of December, I realized I didn't have enough pages left in the insert I had used in November to manage daily bullet journaling and five-minute morning sketches, which I hoped I might do this month. I couldn't get all the way through December with that one insert. And I don't even know why this made any sense, but what I decided was that I would keep my tracker in that notebook and the final pages of that book and other things like my holiday tracking, like the list of things I've bought. But then I would do my daily list keeping in something else. I know that I'll start a new planner for January. So I didn't want to pull out a new book and then feel this tug of war about casting it aside when it wasn't finished in January. So I didn't want to commit to a full blank, to a good blank, to a big blank. So instead, I thought, I'll just use one of these small field note size blanks. I have a bunch of these random and assorted. One year, I really went to town on a sale on the Moleskine site after Christmas. And I thought, okay, I'll use one of these. And so that's what I did. Now, what I should have done, and I know this, what I should have done was go ahead and put that inside my traveler's notebook, put it inside with one of the elastics, but I didn't. I kind of thought, oh, this is good. I'll have this loose one that I can carry around and keep the Midori on my desk or on my bed or in a pile where I can grab it when I sit down to do my bigger work, but I can just carry this loose one with me. Well, you know how that went, right? So I left it out. I grabbed it each day. I made my notes on my list trying to still keep up with the really good momentum I had from November until a few days ago when all the things were crowding my brain in the morning as I worked. And I thought, I need to make a list. I need to make a non-work list and get some of these things down. There really are a lot of things, a lot of things. Just like in the kitchen, I've grabbed all these odds and ends papers and made this list that continued to grow. That's why it is papers 
I think there are four sheets now, all these things I needed to do to take care of in the house before my mom comes today, whether it's cleaning this or putting this away or throwing this out or carrying this downstairs or whatever, this big list that continued to grow. And I don't care that that's not in my bullet journal. I don't care. Those pages get checked off, crossed out, thrown away. Totally fine. But the list itself was useful. So on this morning, I needed to make the rest of the list. The other things that were just too noisy in my head, but I couldn't find the book. I looked around and I couldn't find it. I looked in the Midori and it wasn't there. I looked all around the desk and I never did find it. So I just went back to work. And later I looked elsewhere in the room. I looked in the other room. I still didn't find it. The next day, same scenario. I get to the point where I think, oh, I really need to make this list and I can't find it. So I try to think, where did I use it? I looked in the blankets. I looked again on the tables. I looked in the piles of things on the desk. I thought, oh, maybe I was in the car because I have been working on year-end planning. I remember making notes. I remember drawing this diagram. Maybe I was in the car. Maybe. Maybe I stuck it in the dash of the car, pushed it into that space behind the drink holders. So the next time I was in the car, I looked. Oh, so hopefully I looked. No luck. Not there. I still haven't found it. I still haven't found it. And I have done a good bit of cleaning up. I have done a good bit of cleaning up. I still haven't found it. It's not the only notebook I haven't found. There's another notebook that I have been looking for because I was using it earlier this year and I cannot figure out where it is. I feel like I've had hands on all the spaces, all the spaces. It should have revealed itself to me in this process and I haven't found it either. If I had found it, I could have used it for this blank book that I have now lost for this month because it's that size. So I don't know. My lists, as a result, are now on little scraps here and there. Torn pieces of envelopes, torn pieces of papers. I find them littered around the house. Index cards. I find them everywhere. As I've cleaned up this week and sifted through various piles of other things, really this is a cyclical process. But as I've done that, I have found the same kinds of bits and pieces from other days, other weeks, other years, in which I've ended up clearly unmoored from my journal. And I had to laugh at myself on the heels of the last show in which I talked about lists. Losing lists is something I am really, really good at. Really good at. Number two, the days have been long. Yes, it is the middle of December. So the month is going quickly, but the days themselves are long, very long. Work is taking up every scrap of my energy these days. Every scrap. And one night recently, early evening or really late afternoon, somewhere far enough from bedtime that I realized how tired I was and I knew I wouldn't make it through the evening and I knew it was still early enough to have coffee. I need coffee. I need coffee. I said it out loud. It's all I could think. I need coffee. I need coffee so that I have some hope of staying awake and making the most of these hours that are not about work. I need coffee. So I went into the kitchen and autopilot kicked in. 
I made coffee. A few minutes later, I'm standing in the kitchen saying to myself, I need coffee. And I'm looking at the coffee maker, which is empty. And I'm thinking, I thought I made coffee. Didn't I just make coffee? I remembered, sort of, opening the drawer, getting out a pod, popping it in, turning it on, right? When you do these things on autopilot, you don't really stop and lock them in. But I vaguely remembered going through the motions. But there was no coffee mug sitting there waiting for me. And there was no puddle either. Because I did think, well, I guess I forgot to put the mug in. And yet there was no puddle. In the past, I have done this, I admit. There should have been a puddle. So I was puzzled. With no puddle, I was really puzzled because I really thought I made the coffee. And I thought I remembered hearing the coffee, hearing it make. Didn't I make coffee? I wrinkled my nose. I smelled coffee. I looked again, no puddle, no creeping pool of brown liquid swirling from beneath the coffee maker. Nothing to clean up. Because that's what it usually means when you forget to put your coffee mug under the coffee maker is that you have a mess. You have a mess to clean up. Looking more closely, I discovered that the catch tray really had caught an entire 12 ounces of coffee. Under the metal grate, it was there, full to the top, my steaming cup of coffee. Yep. And that, that little story has been on my list all week to do and record in my daily graphic novel journal. So those are the kinds of little stories that I really want to get down and they're great practice to try and get down. They take a lot more time than they would seem to. Number three, back in October, I made an accordion book out of random papers. Some of them salvaged from half-used sketch pads discovered during a bout of sorting. Done a lot of sorting this year. And to cover that book, you might remember, I used a composition book cover. I took the inside of the composition book out and I reclaimed the cover. And I remember mentioning my surprise in really seeing how the book was sewn together. Sewn. That seemed like such a surprising novelty to really realize because dismantling that book was not nearly as easy as it seemed like it would have been. So that was a big surprise for what I consider to be a very humble type of notebook, a notebook that I very much enjoy using. Really, it's silly how much time I have spent pining over different kinds of planners and deciding about January because there's a whole lot to be said for the composition book and for what it inspires in me because it is so humble and basic. It just doesn't ask a lot. And that really gives me a lot of room to be me. So I took that cover off. I reused it. And in reality, all of the penny pinching that I do can't save us. It can't. It can't make a dent. It can't make a dent in the problems that we have. But at this point, I am not one to throw out that set of blank papers, that set of pages. It's an entire insert. There's no reason to throw it out. So I kept it knowing that I could use it or would use it or would figure out a way. And I did because for work, I always keep a set 
of notes and hours, a really scrawled set of notes and hours, tracking each day, things I need to do, things I did, times I was working. I make no effort to make these pretty. They are a total mess. It's almost like a jot pad that sits next to me and catches scraps of to-dos throughout the workday. I've been keeping this kind of daily accounting for years. For years, for definitely for all of the years that I've been where I am. And the number of those years is currently a very sore spot. Definitely. Definitely a sore spot. But for years, I've been keeping a daily list of whatever is going on at work. Now, I don't need these books later. And that's why I keep them separate. I don't need them as part of my life journaling, my bullet journaling, my bigger lists. I don't need the mess of the work stuff in there. So I really do keep them separate. I don't really care what they're on. They don't tell a valuable story, but they are necessary day to day. They are necessary. And at the end of the month, I need some of the daily numbers in these. And sometimes I go back and check things off or whatever. I use these, but I use hodgepodge papers, whatever scrap pads I can find, half empty spiral notebooks, whatever. And when I finished whatever I was using before, I grabbed this composition book insert. It would be totally fine for this. Totally fine. No cover required. Well, it has been the funniest experience to use this insert. Just mind-bogglingly funny. There's a different word I'd like to use, but I'll stick with funny. The book is constantly falling apart. When I first turned pages, I realized that there was nothing anchoring those pages in, but I thought it was just those pages. So I applied some washi tape, thinking it would hold things together, and it did for that page. And I turned the page and more tape. And as the days went by, I've added bits of tape here and there, thinking that as I wrapped tape around the edges and around the top and the bottom spine, that it would help, that it would stop this constant desire of this blank book to fall apart. And I'd turn the page only to find that the next set was again completely loose and trying to fall out again. Now, it doesn't really matter as long as I can figure out how to find the start of this booklet later, which is more difficult than you would think. But it has been really funny. This blank book without a cover is completely unhinged. And this is the kind of thing that people who do work at home can understand and can really laugh at because I wouldn't want anyone really to see the shamble of a booklet or even the messy way that I keep track of things. But at home, next to me here on my desk, day in and day out, it's okay. And it's even really funny. Every time I turn a page and see things falling out, I can only laugh. I can only laugh, partly because I know that the cover of this book is on my accordion book in the other room on a shelf and really served its purpose there. And I'm making do with this insert so that I don't waste it. And it just keeps falling apart. And at the end of the week, I stick it up on top of my computer and out of sight, out of mind, and go on with my weekend. And in the mornings, I use my other journal or bullet journal or Midori for my daily list. When I can find it, I use whatever I'm using for my daily list. I keep them separate. It's just been funny, but I felt really good about using it 
I felt really good about using it. I feel really good about using it and about sticking with it and about simply laughing at the mess of it. I feel good about just laughing at it, not letting it be any kind of big deal because it really isn't. Number four, this story is similar in the spirit of reuse and making do, maybe. I am working on a shawl this month that started in November, but it is really a December project. It's a knit-along, and my mom and I decided to do it together. So after the setup portion in November, the idea is that you do one repeat of the pattern, which is four rows, every day for 24 days in December. So it's an Advent knit-along. It hasn't turned out to be quite the kind of knit-along that I'd hoped, or quite the pattern I'd hoped. And if I wasn't doing it with my mom, I don't know that I would have stuck with it. I'm not sure I would have stuck with it. I have quite a track record of bailing on these kinds of projects. But we're 15 days in now and I'm going strong. I think this is going to be a keeper. Like I'm going to finish it. I'm going to stick it out. And she will be here for the next 10 days of it. This has not been a year of knitting for me. The last several years have been very similar. Although I think I even managed more knitting in those years than in this one. But that's not a huge surprise. The more I draw, the less I knit, the less I sew. It's a system of checks and balances for sure. It all makes sense. We've talked about time. We talk about time over and over. It all makes sense. We make choices. But I do knit in these months. I do especially in December. So this pattern, it involves a rippling pattern that those of you who knit will know as old shale. And because of the daily aspect of this knit along, the idea was that people could use different colors every day, or even an advent calendar set of yarn, which really exists. And so I decided to use a solid neutral that I had in my stash for the base. And then I had a set of minis. Those are very small skeins of yarn, almost like ink samples. I had a set of minis in rainbow colors that my mom had given me, and they're very pretty. There are five of them. I wasn't sure how far a mini would go because I've never used one before. So I have five minis in rainbow colors at the start of this, and each daily repeat involves four rows, four rows of almost 300 stitches each. So planning out what I would need, how much I had, and what I had enough for was really important at the outset of this process. So I finished my base in November and I went ahead and did the first set of four rows to see how much it would use. Now I was organized about this. There were a whole bunch of texts back and forth between me and my mom as I was figuring this out. I weighed the mini at the start on a food scale. I did the four rows. I weighed the mini again at the end to see what was left. That way I could figure out how much of it four rows took. Now, my scale did keep fluctuating back and forth between two numbers, a jump back and forth that was between 15 and 20 grams, which says a lot, unfortunately, about the scale, I think. But either way, whichever number it was, it seemed, based on numbers, that I could get at least two repeats from each of my minis. My mom was even optimistic I might could get three. I would need another set for sure. So we figured that out. I would need another set. And I would need to work a repeat between each full set using my neutral. And that was a good way to maximize my yarn, to minimize what I needed. So I had a plan. 
this rainbow thing would happen. This rainbow thing could happen. My mom runs a yarn store, so she had the extra minis I needed. This could happen. I wanted to start right then in November. There was no reason not to. It turned out it was not a mystery knit along, which is more what I'd been thinking when I agreed to do this. That's what I thought would be fun for an advent knit. The full pattern was simply repeat the same set of rows, these four rows, every day for 24 days. So why not just go ahead and start? I really thought she would agree, but my mom convinced me that the fun of it really would be in doing it daily through the days of November and doing it together day by day. I grumbled. I grumbled. I bah humbugged, but I agreed. I waited. So December started and I worked daily on my rows. Ultimately, this has been so perfect. It has been so perfect. I'm not saying the pattern's perfect, but this process has been really, really good. The four rows take just enough time to feel significant and yet not so much that it's not possible. It's doable and it's enjoyable in this way. And it's exciting to be able to switch colors every day. That's definitely a perk in this process and in the way we're doing it. It's a given. I know each day that I need to sit down at night and knit my rows. I don't want to get too far behind. And sadly, this happens during the time I would normally draw, but I'm doing more knitting than drawing this month. The first five days happened, each color in this mini rainbow. It's not a full rainbow, but it's an assortment. Purple, teal, blue, yellow, orange, rose. It's a muted rainbow. Rose not red, teal no green. But stacked together, it's very pretty. There's almost a homespun or rustic feel to this. And yes, I am all about wearing black. I love black. If you ask me my favorite color, it's black. But I do like rainbow things. So... This is going to be very pretty. So five days and then a day of neutral. We're all on track, right? And then you need to start again, purple again, because I did my colors in reverse rainbow order as close as I could to a rainbow. Purple again, but I ran out. I ran out in row four. I ran out in row four. So I didn't have enough to finish the full repeat, much less do a third. I sent a panicked text. Uh, this happened. We debated options. What can I do? But really, purple, teal, blue, yellow, orange, rose. Come on. I felt sure I could find something that would work in random yarn that I already have. And I didn't want to wait a few days. I didn't want to have money invested in anything being mailed. I didn't want to wait a whole week for my mom to arrive. I didn't want to waylay my project. I wanted to be able to keep going. Purple, teal, blue, yellow, orange, rose. I just knew I could manage this, that there was a way to just make it work. So I scrounged around and I found some purple and I finished off that night's knitting. And the next night with the teal, I again ran out, but I ran out even sooner. And I couldn't find the remnant ball that I know is somewhere a teal that I used long ago on a shawl for my mom. I couldn't find it. And teal is not a color I normally have a lot of. And really, my stash is what it is. I don't add to my stash. My stash is just what I've had through the years that I now use. But I found a green that somehow seemed to me like it would work. And I had wished that this rainbow had green anyway. To me, that was the one color really missing. So I used it. And I like how it looks. 
Blue, also a challenge, not a color I keep on hand. I'm softening towards blue, I admit, but it's not a color I keep on hand. But I found something that worked. Almost amazingly, I found something that worked for blue because it's not a color I buy. Day by day, I found something that worked. Now, why my initial weight test was so wrong, why my planning didn't work out, I really don't know. All of those things should have worked. I don't know. But I have to say, I am so incredibly happy that I didn't let it derail me, that I didn't just stop, that I didn't just say, okay, I'll wait a whole week until you get here and now I need two more sets. None of that would have made me happy. I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to have to buy more. I didn't want anyone to have to buy more. That I'm using bits from other things and making this work is so perfect for me, for this, for this project, for this year, for my current approach to life, for everything that I believe right now. It sounds silly, I'm sure. And I don't know that my mom really even gets why this approach and doing it this way was so right, is so right, is so meaningful to me, is so validating and empowering in some way. But it is. And I know if other people had realized I ran out, they also would have thought I should just get another set. This is so much better. There's something even more special about this process because I'm weaving in these other bits and pieces odds and ends from other shawls made, other fingerless mitts made and given, shawls made and given, like a bird somehow weaving a nest, weaving these bits and pieces in rather than just throwing them out. They still have meaning. And because they have history, some of these have history. They have history from other projects and now they are a part of this one. I wish this was a pattern that I really loved or that I loved it a bit more. Because when I get symbolic about my knitting, and I often do, I often do, way, way back when, there was a show about the cardigan I made when I was pregnant. That's been a long time, and there's been much knitting in between and much talking about knitting. Well, not so much this year. But when I get symbolic about my knitting, I do hope it's something that I will love. Because sometimes the symbolism really is in the process. But you also have to hope it's something you love. And I'm not sure this pattern has that, has that level of appeal for me. But maybe when it's all done, it will. It's all cramped up on my needles right now because I couldn't find really long ones. I used what I could find. I'm so okay with this. I don't even know who I am sometimes. I'm so okay with this. It's about the process. And when I spread it out, I'm going to be surprised by that rainbow. I know. The experience of making this is good. The ways in which it parallels daily drawing are so clear. The ways in which it mirrors the value of the series. Something you can sit down each night or every day and know what's expected, what you need to do or what the parameters are. Just right. So powerful. I told my mom the other day that I can totally see having some perfect knitting project that you could knit on over a year a few rows a day. It could be really amazing if you had just the right project or enough yarn that would really make it work. It would all go together in a way that you would like. But it would take a lot of thinking to make it work. And when you do something daily like this, the desire is often there to just go ahead and keep knitting. Do a little more. But to keep true to the spirit of the challenge and the project, you have to wait. You have to do just enough. 
and then wait until the next day. So that would be the trick with a year one, because you need it to be enough, just meaty enough every day to make it feel like you're getting enough, but you don't want to end up with something, you know, that would stretch to the next town at the end of the year. But at any rate, it has been a really good project so far, and I am really happy with my own approach. So four little vignettes, each different, and yet I sense that they go together. I sense that they go together when I look at them together. I think I can see that there's something here. They are held by invisible threads that do tie them together in ways that are true, reflective, and have just a bit of laughter and whimsy and just a bit of gossamer shine and just a bit of memory, and just a bit of reflection, and all of it underwritten with creativity, and just a bit of the everyday, just enough. Shake them all up and let the snow fall. There is warmth and coziness in the quotidian, truly. In the quotidian moment, it doesn't have to be the scene. It doesn't have to be the scene. These moments, there is something about them when we stop and really look at them. When I think about that, the shaking it up in the snow, there's such comfort in that. These days are often such a flurry of wish list making and deal checking and fear that we're not giving enough and that things won't be balanced and more wish list making and wishing you could just ask for what you want. And yet in the evening when the lights are low and I turn the little copper strand on and in the other rooms, the colored lights are on and just breathe it all won't get done. We don't need all the things. There is enough to make do. And in a lot of ways, there is too much. Too much in a time in which there should not be. Too much even though we say we're not going to do this again. Things are all askew. Things are all askew. But shake up that snow globe. Watch the snow fall. Knit a few rows or draw a picture. Make a cup of coffee. Make a list. There's comfort in these things. And I know, I know now, I am looking at the clock and I am really short on time, but I know that I'm really going to have to think about snow globes. I don't think I even have a snow globe. And I didn't know that illusion was going to come up today. That came out of nowhere. But if I had more time, this would have been a snow globe show for sure, because shows like Penny and Bazooka Joe and Sifting for Gold and Viewmasters and Kaleidoscopes, those kinds of shows are the shows that become the most meaningful to me, the most magical. So you'll have to bear with me if I come back with more snow globe talk in the next show, because now I'm really thinking about it. I'm really thinking about it really love the whole idea of doing this. I thought I was going to do some form of wish list show, things that might make your list little things, especially things for planners or journals, creative gifts. I've almost missed that window. I might still do it. These are just little things that are fun to think about, fun things that you might treat yourself with. But there might be more snow globe talk coming instead for right now. And you'll have to humor me if that happens. You will. Just one quote to wrap things up, because now that I'm thinking about it, I stopped just to acid test my idea here. Quote, like snow globes, you shake them up 
and for a moment everything is upside down and glitter everywhere and it's just like magic. But then it all settles and goes back to where it's supposed to be. And that's a quote from Ginny Haunt. Beautiful language. So definitely more to think about with snow globes. If you have one, pull it out, draw it, paint it, share it, ponder it, enjoy it, think about it. I think there'll be more. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it. This looks like a crazy long show. Oh, 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 oh. I don't know. I don't know. The shows I think will be short end up long, and the shows I think will be long end up short. And I am going to turn this off and race from the house. And I don't know how long it'll be before I actually get it edited. I'm going to try. I'm going to try hard. I am grateful for those of you who listen. I'm grateful for the show of support some of you make to me, the words that you send me, the gestures of friendship that you so generously extend. I am so thankful for those of you who are out there and who let me know you're out there. And those of you that I have been in contact with this year and worked with this year, you will never realize how much I have valued that. As always, I'm Amy. You can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy and as Creativity Matters Podcast. And a special thank you to those of you at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a really good week, a really good magical, light-filled week. <laughs>